You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. Donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Sunday night, just after 9.30. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Uh, Draft is done. Free agency right around the corner. Uh, NBA Summer League right around the corner. We've got a lot of questions to get into, Joe, because people have been... uh, sending those in via Twitter all evening. Um, but before yeah. we get into those questions... Well, what you... I, wanted to know, I wanted to know, did anyone ask if uh, Dan could just offer LeBron... <laughs> I have not seen that one yet. Can't believe it. Emphasis on yet. I, I think they got the memo last time they listened to the podcast when we finally said, look, stop <laughs> asking that particular question. Enough is enough. <laughs> uh any big plans for the summer what are you thinking oh yeah yeah of course yeah absolutely got some got all kinds of nice vacation lined up Uh, late july early august going to both coasts um so that's always good and then um i don't i can't remember if i've tweeted about this yet but um in august late i'm going to uh journey and def leppard in columbus Mm. Uh, that is a very big deal of course and then uh and then i'll probably for the second year i'll probably coach flag football oh nice yeah i've got a a guy that i uh coach with who's a great guy and uh and so we can kind of co-take the team and and when training camp starts it's all right if i'm not if there's something i gotta miss so um yeah so that's what i'm looking at what about you do you draw plays and everything for flag football, or do you just have them say, hey, go to the right, or hey, go to the left, or go up the middle, or what do you do? Um, it's a combination. Like, like you don't spend a whole lot of time drawing stuff up because it's not like the kids are going to really take it to memory for the most part. But yeah. I, I am not kidding. In our last game, we ran the Statue of Liberty, and it worked for six. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. It was the first play from scrimmage of the game. We ran, uh, we, we ran the Statue of Liberty, and it was awesome, and we won. That's so funny. So back when I used to play flag football, my dad was my coach, and okay. I was the quarterback. And the only plays that we had were Metcalf left, right? Okay. 
Metcalf up the middle or Metcalf right. So yeah. that was a pitch from me to the running back, my buddy Kevin growing up. He was the running back. Or we had Randall left, Randall up the middle, Randall right, which would just be a quarterback jet sweep for sure. me. So those were the only six plays that we had. Wait, you guys didn't throw it? Oh, rarely. Oh, rarely. yeah, man. We, threw it. we probably threw two to four passes a game. Really? Yes. It was seven and eight-year-olds. Yes. Wow. Well, yep. maybe it was me. Maybe I wasn't a good enough quarterback to, well, to have them feel comfortable with throwing the ball, but I could run like the Dickens. So that well, was good. When we were that age, though, like the like, pass it, like – the NFL was still a run first league. Right. That's a good point. So, you know, it, it hadn't morphed into what it is today. Yeah. So me this summer, man, a lot of golf. You okay. and I, we plan yeah. on making a golf trip uh, this upcoming week. Yep. Uh, so I've got a lot of golf planned. As you know, I installed an in-ground basketball hoop in my driveway. Okay. I have been playing basketball at least twice every single day. Oh, wow. Just going out for some shooting sessions, you know, doing some catch-and-shoot stuff, some free-throw stuff, uh, trying to get as much exercise as possible by hooping out in the front yard. That's been a lot of fun. Okay. Um, and then Holly and I have a plan to go to Antigua. Ah. Because as you know, last year when we tried to go on our honeymoon, our honeymoon, well, our wedding was in September, so the honeymoon was supposed to be immediately after that. But in the Caribbean, that's bad hurricane season. Yes. Now, hurricane season's in the summer, but the bad hurricanes are usually August, September. So the day that we were scheduled to land in Antigua for our honeymoon was the day that the hurricane hit the island of Antigua. Right. I mean, I, I, like, I, I think... Didn't I think we were already doing podcasts by then. I think we were. I'm pretty sure we were. discussing this, and, and of course I knew that anyway. Um, so now, so right, so now you're going to try to go before the storm hit. Yes, we're going to try and go in July. It's July 17th. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that LeBron is going to have his decision made up by then and all of the responsibilities that we have because of that. I'm hoping that they're going to be done and I'm not going to have to be bothered and I can just kind of enjoy that week with Holly and Antigua because we have been so looking forward to going to Antigua and we loved Mexico. We, we changed our honeymoon plans to make sure that we went somewhere. And we ended up going to Riviera Maya in Mexico. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, right. but that, was, that was a shorter honeymoon. This one's a full seven-day, like, the, the villa that we have is basically oceanfront or beachfront. And we're just so excited to, That's great. to go to Antigua. Well, I need to know from you, LeBron in the past, I think it's been July 8th and July 11th when he's made his decision. I'm having... What the hell is that? Like, I, so, so our listeners know, like, I'm trying to, as we do our podcast, I'm trying to do research for our podcast so, okay. so we can be even more informed and it's not just me pulling half facts off the top of my head. Um, but I have just been getting destroyed by these pop-up videos. Uh, it's just victimized time oh. and again. Um, so like now, for instance, I'm actually at our site, cleveland.com, uh, oh. because I, th there's a quote that I remember LeBron said that may have been as important of a quote for his free agency as anything that he said oh. um, that hasn't gotten a ton of attention. Okay. And so I'm looking for it. 
Um, and then in the meantime, yeah, uh, he. I think when he left, it was on July 10th, if I'm right. Um, and then when he came back, it was July 11th. So, you know, I think reasonably speaking, you should be okay. It okay. should be somewhere in that time frame. I mean, hell, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a scenario where he opts into his contract this week, um, and then it's really all all over. Uh, as far as having to worry about that. So I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, because then we would just have to do all this again next year anyway. Uh, so I think it would be – I think I think it would be good to have a couple of days of crazy, craziness and nonsense and then have him sign for five years somewhere Yeah, we can put this issue to bed. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, it's I funny too. Quote. I found the quote. Like the, the thing that we all kind of assume about LeBron – is that he is not going to go to L.A. alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you look at it, and, like, the guys he wants to partner with, maybe they aren't available. Yeah. Um, but And this kind of all leads into it. Um, th- that day where LeBron talked about basketball minds and, 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 and like, that's kind of what everybody's honed in, honed in on like mm. is, is the important thing. That was the day before game four, right? That was in between game three and game four? That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. Well, also that day, LeBron said that every player does not want to. Sad to say, mm. that every player doesn't want to compete for a championship and be in a position where every possession is pressure. Now, uh, at the time, you didn't know if he was like taking a shot at Kyrie, who uh, you know knew he was on a team that was going to the finals and asked out. Um, you know, he lucked out and got traded to the Celtics. They could have sent him to the Kings. Like, so, so, so the idea would be that Kyrie didn't want to play for a championship anymore. Or maybe he was talking about some of the guys on the Cavs, right. uh, which is a, that, that's a tough thing to say in the middle of the finals. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure that that's what he meant. Um, but then there, there's, the, there's the possibility that he was talking about some of these supposed guys that he's supposed to be partnering with in LA or, or, or wherever. And it just, that dawned on me today when I was thinking about this idea that, that if Paul George actually stays in Oklahoma city, um, that maybe LeBron and him have already had that conversation and Paul isn't going to try to go team up with him to try to run down these rings. Um, And again, I just, like yes, there are other options besides LA, but they all have flaws, and it just it doesn't. It, you know, we've said on here before. Doesn't it feel like if it's not LA, then it's Cleveland? Yep. The more and more I think about it, Joe, if he's going to leave Cleveland, and this is a big if, he could very well stay in Cleveland. But if he's going to leave Cleveland and it's home, and open himself up, and I don't think there's anything that can be done to tarnish his legacy or hurt his legacy. Um, but I know that not everybody feels that same way that I do. And maybe there are going to be people that pick holes in that and say, why are you ring chasing and things like that? We've already heard some people come out and say, don't ring chase, blah, blah, blah. So there's a chance that that reputation could be built if he goes somewhere else. Um, again, I don't see it that way, but other people could. Um, so if he's going to open himself up for that, any kind of criticism maybe losing fans because he leaves Cleveland and leaving home, it, it's not going to be for anywhere. It's going right. to be for the right place where he could also view that place 
as home, where he could make a home there and it could be for his basketball future. And I just, I continue to think about that. And I just, I can't see him leaving Cleveland for Houston. I can't see him leaving Cleveland for San Antonio. And I still have a hard enough time seeing him leave Cleveland for Philly. Like yeah. I could see him leave Cleveland for LA because that's already home for him for, for, for some part of the year, right? Like he already has roots there. He already has established something there in Los Angeles. Whereas those other places, it's like starting from scratch. And I just, I just can't see him leaving Cleveland for those kinds of places. That's I know. And, and it, it does feel that way. And it just, as we've said it, um, uh, the, the team that you would think he'd want to join if he wanted to leave here just hasn't materialized yet. Um, but I guess to be cautious, like we need to understand that, um, you know, that, that people in Miami thought he was coming back. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, that there was a question. I mean, that like in 2010, everybody thought around here, like that Cleveland was in play and that it yeah. was, you know, so, this does happen every time. Like you can see, you know, you can make the case of that why he should be here and you could, and you can see some things happening that suggest he should be here and he may have already made up his mind, but I just, um, yeah, I mean, so far it, it, uh, things don't seem to be trending quite the way the Lakers would have hoped, but I don't know. Maybe this, all this Paul George stuff is just a smoke screen. Um, all right, so if we go back to the NBA draft, the Cavs yes. hung on to the pick. They rebuffed a bunch of trade offers during the season when they made the trade for Kyrie way back uh, last off season. You know, they made the Brooklyn pick the centerpiece of that trade. They demanded that pick. They wanted that pick. They talked about how excited they were to have a draft pick like that, something that could add value uh, to this organization. Um, after they drafted Colin Sexton, number eight overall, they raved about him. They were smiling about it. So what does him being picked number eight and, and the way that they were talking about him, what conclusions can we draw from that, if any? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, – that that the the one that they kind of hit you over the head with is just this idea about continuing to get younger and kind of get back into the business of player development, mm-hmm. um, which which in a way seems to be trending for, away from where they were even last week, which is well you know, we're still interested in looking at um, upgrading the team with veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there aren't that many slots left to, to actually do that now. And, and um, you know, I mean, I, Colin only takes up one space, it's true. But, but if, they, if they hold on to him, um, you know, your pieces remaining to get that big piece, um, that big veteran, um, seem to be smaller. Um, and they, they – now, like – they kind of seem to be talking about, you know, using the uh, mid-level exception or maybe using the trade exception to kind of build that way um, rather than like packaging like Colin and Kevin to, to go and get whoever. Um, hmm. So that's, so that's the, the, I guess that's the, the main thing. Um, you know, Colin Sexton um, is going to have a chance to defend 
I think um, that's what people tend to say about him, like coming out of college, that he should be able to do that. So kind of getting back into into that. I just uh, – when you just talk about this youth movement, though, um, and you heard Ty say it, I mean, he, he actually put to words something that he's been saying quite often behind the scenes, which is um, – he said it a different way. He said that having young players, you're able to mold them. Yep. And the, the converse of that is that when you have these established superstar veterans, you can't tell them to do anything. Yep. Um, it was like pulling teeth to try to get Kevin to place the five all year. And he, he kind of begrudgingly did it. But um, that was about the extent of it. Like Ty had a hell of a time trying to get those guys to defend, to get LeBron to defend, that kind of thing. So, um so in a way, I think they're they're um, excited about this. That um, you know they they feel like the roster is in a is in a decent shape, I guess, um, with with opportunities to improve. And and you know you see what happens with twenty three. Okay, so let's say hypothetically, Colin Sexton's the big move that the Cavs make this off season. Mm-hmm. They drafted him top ten. When you draft a player top ten you expect big things out of that guy in the future. Maybe not right away, but you expect that guy to be a big part of your future. So we say he's the biggest move that the Cavs make this offseason, and the only other move that they can really make, as you mentioned, um, in terms of free agency, is signing somebody to the mid-level exception right around $5 million. They do have a $5.8 million trade exception. Okay, that's good too. That's helpful. They can't combine that with a player though, right? Like that has to be on its own. Correct. Um, so then you start looking at uh, Perkins' salary of $2.5 million. Mm. Um, You know, if they, if they guarantee O'Carl White uh, by August 5th, uh, that's $1.5 million. Um, doesn't seem like they're going to trade Nance. So, right. you know, and then now you start looking at Corver. That's seven and a half million. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a bad trade piece, but you know, I, you would feel like a, a contender would take him on. So, what would you get for him? Exactly right. That's kind of the problem there. But it's, the salary is nice um, right. because there's not there's only a little bit of that guaranteed, and then you start looking at big numbers with George Hill and and, and Jr. So I, I don't know, man. So let's say that is. That is the biggest move that the Cavs make this offseason, just hypothetically. Colin Sexton, eighth overall pick, new starting point guard. Um, what do you think that means to LeBron James? Or what do you think that would say to LeBron? Or what do you think that means for LeBron's chances? Um, I, think that Le- I think that LeBron understands um, where the Cavs are financially and what they can do and what they can't do. I think that he was very much frustrated last summer when all these players who you didn't think um, were going to be going anywhere all went somewhere else and none of them ended up in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Paul George, Jimmy Butler. um, Kyrie, Chris Paul. Kyrie, Chris Paul. Uh, and 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 I think there may have been a, been a couple others. And 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 LeBron was like, "Well, wait a minute! Like, I didn't get any of these guys, and in fact, I lost Kyrie." Um, so far, we're not seeing that. Um, so so I don't know that LeBron um, would would necessarily necessarily hold that uh, uh, against them. I, again, I just think that we have to look at this from a bigger picture, like. If, if it's really about 
if it's just about chasing down the Warriors, then as we've always said, it seems like uh, Houston would be in a better spot than Cleveland to do that and maybe mm-hmm. Philadelphia. But that if, if it's about all things, if it's about like a, a broader thing, um, Cleveland's in much better shape. And, and I think that's, that would just fit in with that narrative. I think it's obvious that the Cavs would have a better chance of keeping LeBron if they traded for Kemba Walker. But let's say they could get him, right? There's a package that they could come up with to Charlotte that would make sense for Charlotte, and the Cavs get Kemba. Is Kemba even the right player combined with LeBron? Is that guy enough to make LeBron look at the Cavs and say, what they can become or what we can become here in Cleveland with Kemba as my running mate is better than what could potentially happen in Los Angeles with a super team. And again, that's a potential thing and it hasn't materialized, but the ability is there. And I think LeBron recognizes that. Boy. So I, I mean, in this scenario, who's Kevin Love play for? And I think the hard thing about the Cavs trade assets and you kind of hit on it with Corver, right? Every team is looking for something different. So the teams that you could trade Kyle Corver to are the contending teams that really aren't going to give you a lot of pieces that would make sense for you other than Kyle Corver. And then Kevin Love, the market for Kevin Love is playoff contending teams. What would a rebuilding Charlotte Hornets team want with Kevin Love? Well, I mean, they'd want Colin Sexton. Yeah, so... So you would use Colin Sexton as the trade centerpiece, and then maybe what, George Hill? Maybe I Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith? I mean, in, in this like, basically the Hornets know they're screwed this year anyway. Right. Um, and in, in Kevin's case, they know he's not going to pick up his $25.5 million player option to stay in Charlotte. So they would view him as an expiring contract? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's and, interesting. And then with Hill, you know that uh, a very small amount of his money for the following season is guaranteed. Right. And you view him as basically an expiring contract. Right. Um, so, so if they thought they could get a, a future cornerstone piece, if they believed that Colin Sexton was that guy, then, yeah, maybe they would take um, George or Kevin. Uh, and I guess the Cavs would probably rather they, rather they take George. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in this hypothetical, we'll say Kevin stays here and the new big three in Cleveland is LeBron, Kemba and Kevin, because I think honestly, Joe, there is a path to that happening without Kevin Love. It would have to be Sexton. Sexton would have to be the centerpiece of the deal, the jewel of the deal for Charlotte. But I think Charlotte would also be willing to take like a Jetty Osman type, another young up and coming player maybe somebody like that along with George Hill to match the salary, knowing that George Hill only has such a small margin guaranteed the following year. So let's say that's the hypothetical. It's, it's George, it's Jetty, uh, and it's Sexton for Kemba, that kind of package. Well, in that, in that scenario, um, the Cavs would, would be getting more players. Yeah, um, right. Kemba only makes $12 million. Right. So he what's the a- other one? Marvin? Marvin Williams? I don't know. I mean, Nicola Batum. Well, now, I mean, Batum's number is 20 huge. something. 20, yeah. 24 million. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Marvin's at 14. Uh, Kid Gilchrist is at 13. I mean, Kaminsky is, is 3.6, and he's in the last year of his deal, so I don't know. But um, 
That's yeah. That, that, I mean, that's what you're looking at. So would that make the Cavs more appealing than what could be built in LA? Do you think like, is Kemba enough? I guess is the question. Cause I oh. think Kemba is good. I just don't think, or, you know, he's not Paul George good. You know, he's not Chris Paul good. He's not Kyrie Irving good. I think he's that notch below or maybe two notches below. So is that even enough? Like, is he the right guy to target to make LeBron want to stay in Cleveland and think this is a more appealing basketball situation? Well, I do think that it, it, it would then it would depend on who they got with their mid-level and who they got with their trade exception. Okay. Um, if they were going to go that route because – you know, the, the, the idea is if you can't assemble like star for star and match the Warriors star for star, mm-hmm. you need um, a team of versatile players that are cerebral um, that, and that can, you know, handle the pressure that the Warriors apply. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so some of those guys are out there um, and then even still, like if you got them, uh, would that be enough to to make you better than the Warriors? I I don't know that you can get better than the Warriors anywhere on paper. Right. Um, what you need to be able to do is get back to the finals and then be in a position. So if there's an injury or if there's discord in the Warriors locker room or wh- whatever, like you you need to get you need to get there. So if something breaks in your favor, um then you can capitalize and you need to be in a position to capitalize. Um, LeBron would probably tell you that they were not in a position to capitalize this year because mm-hmm. they weren't as good as they were. And and Kobe actually kind of suggested that they were better uh, this year than they were a year ago, which is tough without to, to make that argument without Kyrie. So uh, I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I mean, Kyrie and Kevin weren't enough to beat the Warriors two years ago, not even close. Um, Kemba's really good. He's not – he's he's just under Kyrie, though, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. So, I mean, how would that be any better? What are the odds that the Cavs trade Colin Sexton? I, I just don't get – like, I, I just don't get that sense. Like, I agree. I agree. It, it's not even just because, like, Kobe said they weren't going to. like. In his position, he's got to say that. Right. Like, if the right deal came along, I mean, you know, he'd have to think about it. But it just – it doesn't seem like – like, there are things happening behind the scenes. Like, Ty is preparing his summer to work with Colin Sexton out there in Vegas. Mm -hmm. It just – you know, this uh, discussion about player development, um, it just – that doesn't – you don't need to develop uh, Kemba. So I, I yeah, I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be here. I keep going back and forth on this because I'm right there with you. Um it's not so much the things that they've said, it's how they act when talking about this particular thing. And it goes all the way back to conversations that I've had with front office people as soon as they acquired the Brooklyn pick, Joe. It was just a different energy around the front office. Like we get to scout, right? We get to go to all these different campuses and try and take the challenge of finding the next Cleveland Cavaliers star. And I think they loved that. And the fact that they hung on to it and they rebuffed a bunch of trade offers and they still hung on to it. Then they used it the night of the draft on Colin Sexton, a guy that they really liked throughout the course of the process 
They sat down with him in Chicago at the scouting combine, really liked him. He worked out for them, really liked him. They drafted him. They were really excited about that. One of the texts that I received had three exclamation points in describing Colin Sexton. So it's just this vibe that you get of how excited they are about this particular kid in the Brooklyn pick now turning into him and what he represents and the kind of kid he is along with the kind of basketball player he is. But I think there's the other side to this, Joe, that if they want to significantly improve to try and take down the Warriors again with LeBron coming back, like this is their best trade asset. Colin Sexton, to me, is their best trade asset for a team that has a disgruntled star. Because a team with a disgruntled star is going to look to rebuild, uh, turn over their roster, and try and start from the bottom again. And they're going to want young up-and-coming players or draft picks or salary cap relief, or expiring contracts. But the centerpiece is usually like this kind of guy. You know, Indiana focused on wanting Oladipo and Sabonis. When the Minnesota Timberwolves traded for Jimmy Butler, Chicago said, hey, we want a top 10 pick, and that turned into Markkanen, and they wanted a young, up-and-coming player that they could develop, that they could control for a long time in Chris Dunn. And it's just like, if you're going to target those kinds of players on those kinds of teams, they are absolutely going to ask for Colin Sexton first. And that's just the reality of what the Cavs have in terms of trade assets. So I keep going back and forth on this. Yeah, I I mean, I'm with you. And then I think Charlotte is as well. I mean, I read something um, the other day where, again, they're talking about how he is um, a pillar of their community and, and they think that they can keep him uh, exactly firm and um, so yeah so so right so they're not just going to itch to get rid of Kemba they're not just like oh hey take Kemba for nothing right yeah. take Kemba for Jetty Osman George Hill and something else it's you better give us exactly what we want in order for us to move on from probably the most important player in franchise history and the most popular player in franchise history. Yeah. They would have to get like something that they feel really, really good about in replacing Kemba. And I obviously Sexton would be an ideal long-term replacement for Kemba. Yeah. And that, so, I mean, that's your point is you're, you're basically, you're trying to say um, the Cavs aren't going to get Kemba without Sexton. I don't think they can. Right. I don't think, I don't see, I don't see any way that that happens. You ready for questions? I am ready for questions. All right. So we've got a bunch of them. Hang in there. All right. Um, First guy wants to know about Billy Preston. There are reports that the Cavs signed this Billy Preston guy. Uh, He was a former five-star recruit. Is he real prospect, or is this just throwing something against the wall and seeing what sticks? Well, I I mean, first of all, he's not signed to anything. He's going to come, I believe, to to play – in the summer league and, and, you know, got you, you got to fill out your roster. Um, this guy got a little bit of press um, leading up to the draft. Uh, he, he had a couple workouts. He, uh, he was a five-star recruit, um, but never got a chance to play for Kansas because um, he got in trouble. And so then he, he went over to Europe and played three games and came home with a foot injury. He, uh, he wouldn't do five on five on five at the combine. Um, and they just couldn't, uh, he's kind of like an enigma. You just, you're not really sure. Um, but, but I mean, 
the cat like it's it's a it's a great thing for the Cavs to be able to have him on their summer league team um, if if he chooses to do that. Now he could um, he could actually he could sign with someone else uh, if someone's willing to actually sign him to a contract before he goes out there. Um, but as of now, it looks like he'll he'll uh, be on the be on the the Cavs summer league team and and they get to look at him and um, and we'll see. Young MC wants to know, and first he says, guys, always enjoy the podcast. I realize I probably sound like a desperate Cavs fan, which I am, but what value would the Cavs protected 2019 and unprotected 21 and 23 picks have with their current assets? Feel like we should keep love, find one other playmaker. A few options on who that is, but would a willingness on the Cavs part to go all in change our ability to actually get something done or do they need a LeBron commitment first to do that? Uh, no, I, I mean, no, they, they don't need a LeBron commitment to do that. And, and, you know, we, we already talked about this idea about player development, um, which the Cavs are trying to stress does not mean that they are turning away from LeBron or turning away from trying to continue to stay in the finals. Um, they just, they think that they can, uh, can do it while being younger. Um, and of course that is all contingent upon LeBron, but, but, but the point I want to make is, is that for, for weeks and months, they've, they have spoke as though they are not looking to move Kevin. They've of course tried to trade him a hundred times, uh, mm-hmm they got them four years ago, but um, that they wouldn't necessarily just get rid of him and, and rebuild. Um, and in fact, uh, I mean, the way that question is worded is actually kind of sounds like something that they would say. Um, <laughs> the idea of, of uh, you know, is the, the protected pick really worth all that? Um, and so, no. So, so, so I, I, they have said that this is what they're going to do, that they're going to build their roster that they're going to make the team better whether LeBron stays or not. And they want like the moves that they make will help their team and will, will be intriguing or enticing to LeBron. So um, with that being said, then um, if you can't get like a really good player in return for Kevin, then you try to use those other uh, assets we've already discussed to to try to get somebody in. And, And I think they need to do that anyway, because what if LeBron takes two weeks? Right. Um, so if, if there's a player out there that it's going to be competitive and you can get them, um, for your 5 million, uh, trade exception, I mean, they need to do that. Like they can't, you know, like th- those, those, like those are the kinds of slots that you can wait a while. But, um, if, if there are going to be a number of, pl- of teams in on a player who's going to make that kind of money, um, then the Cavs would need to, to act beforehand. Um, and, you know, I guess the, with the trade exception, that's it as well. Like if there's a deal early on um, that makes your team better and you're not sure about LeBron yet, then you do it. Gotcha. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to add one of my own in here. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that I got when I was doing my Reddit AMA the other day, which was uh, a lot of fun, by the way. Um, more fun than your radio show yesterday. Well, I enjoyed my radio show yesterday too, but I also love – when people ask me questions just about life and other things not related to basketball. Actually, my favorite shows that I do on the radio, Joe, 
are the ones where I focus more on life things as opposed to sports things. So okay. I don't know, maybe I'm in the wrong industry when it comes to Yeah, that. you should be like uh, <laughs> Dr. Ruth or whatever. But one thing that I was always taught by my mentor in radio was that like the goal is to reach uh, a wide variety of people. And not everybody wants to listen to sports for three straight hours. So if you give them a little bit of sports, a little bit of life, a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of music, a little bit of this, it becomes like a life show. Um, and it's relatable to a variety of people as opposed to just diehard sports people, you know, because the sports people are going to stay because it's a sports talk radio station. And they know that the majority of it is going to be sports, but you can bring other people in if you're relatable and you're talking about things that they can relate to, like, um, I don't know, favorite food, just stories about encounters that you have in everyday life. So this ask me anything was a blast because there was a variety of different questions. This was a basketball one though. And I think it's kind of tying into what we're talking about with Kevin Love. Okay. Uh, what are the odds that LeBron comes back to Cleveland and Kevin's not here. I, I, I mean, certainly coming into um, into the offseason, I think we both saw that scenario. Um, and then now it just doesn't feel as likely. Like I'm just not sure um, what they're for whom they are going to trade Kevin at this point. Either way, I, I just I, I'm having a harder time finding that that deal. And I think mm. if, I still think. If they had a deal that was a good one where they thought the return was worth it, I think they would move Kevin. Um, their previous history suggests that, uh, but they just I, just, I don't think it's there. All right. Joe tweets, uh, not you, Joe, another Joe. This is Joe Volk. He says, who has a better chance of knocking off Golden State, a LeBron Lakers team or LeBron with Kemba Walker on the Cavs? Um. I, I mean, I, I, I guess the Cavs, um, but I don't think it's a very good chance. What about if it's hypothetically in Los Angeles, LeBron, Kemba, and Paul George? How much of a chance would you give that particular trio of going up against Golden State? Well, who else is there? I mean, is Julius Randle, did he come no, back? No, he's not going to be back because he's got a funky contract situation. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I know, I know. You know, like if 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 they somehow ended up with LeBron, Kawhi, which doesn't look like that's going to happen, and Paul George, uh-huh. then you they've lost like all the young guys that they need. Like you know, like you know, Ball's probably gone, and Kuzma's probably gone, and maybe Hart. Like I just you go down the list. Like I so I don't know who else they trot out there. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, I think it's so hard to know what the Lakers can become. And it was hard to know in 2010 what the Miami Heat would become, right? But once you actually saw it, then you could really evaluate. And then hindsight 2020, you were like, okay, I get why he left Cleveland for this particular group. You know, there's a chance that, that things change quickly in the NBA and things change and they look a lot different on July 6th. And LeBron announces that he's going to join the Lakers, hypothetically. And then that team and how we view that team is going to be a lot different than we currently view the Lakers. Because right now we just look at the Lakers and say, that's a bunch of young kids. LeBron's not going to want to join those young kids. 
That's not nearly enough, even with LeBron, to take on the Warriors. But on July 6th, it could be Paul George, Boogie Cousins, you know, those kinds of players, and then suddenly yeah. it looks a lot different. Well, how do they get How do they get Boogie, Paul George, and LeBron? Uh, I don't think it could be anything other than Paul George in terms of uh, it would have to be him opting in and trade, right? Yeah. Like, I think that would be – and then you sign Boogie, and then you sign LeBron. Um, or it could be trade for Kemba, sign Paul George, sign LeBron. So it would have to be two signings and a trade, I think, is, is the right. way that I look at it, if, if they're going to try and create three. I think that's the only way. Because yeah. these guys aren't going to take way less money just to go to Los Angeles. I can't see that as realistic. I mean, I, th- I mean, that would be, all right, if, if they can do that, if they, if they can do Kemba and Paul George and LeBron, mm. uh, I, yeah, I, I think LeBron would take a really hard look at that. Okay. Any chance Chris Paul leaves Houston and goes to Los Angeles? That's something that I keep bouncing back and forth. Yeah, I mean, it certainly um, it doesn't sound like it, but, I mean, we've also learned just not, not to say never. Yeah. Um, Richard wants to know, give me a trade scenario that can get us Kemba that Charlotte would actually like. But, uh, let, me, let me go back to that for a minute. Okay. The and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but, but I think you can make a strong case that the Rockets do not need to do a thing to their team. I agree. They were the better team. They, like, Chris got hurt, yeah. and that, that screwed up the whole series. And they, they still, like, they should not have lost game seven. Like, I, I, I cannot get off of this. And so, <laughs> like, I mean, so, <laughs> you know, the Rockets may try to tear up the team to get LeBron. Um, you know, they wouldn't do it obviously unless LeBron signaled to them that he was ready to go there. But geez, like if they get Chris Paul back in the fold and his leg doesn't fall off next, next spring, like they got a real chance. Right. So if they bring back Ariza, if they bring back Capella, they added somebody in the draft. Um, Maybe they move Ryan Anderson for something that's a little bit better for them. I agree with you. I mean, I think that team, and I think the other thing that they have going for them, Joe, one of the things that you wondered about Houston was how are they going to perform on a big stage in pressure situations? Mm -hmm. I think them getting a taste of the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals in that environment of Oracle Arena and getting a Game 7. Sometimes you have to fail before you can succeed. And I think them getting that experience against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, if they keep the core together, will make them more ready to take that next step as an organization. Yeah, I think so. Do you have a scenario that can get the Cavs Kemba Walker that Charlotte would actually like from the Cavs? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, um, if uh, anything that, that uh, involves Sexton, is the yeah. first is the first step, and then um, taking a, taking another contract that they don't like. You know, they they really need to get out from under that Batum contract, right? Um, more so, certainly, yeah. I, I mean, and then like I, I don't know what they I don't know how they view Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Like both of those guys have player options. So I don't know how they view those deals, um, and, but both of those player options come due the following year. So 
I don't know if they, if they're desperate to get off those. Um, but if they could, yeah. Like, so, so you start with Sexton, they know they got to give up Kemba, but then like, can the Cavs take, uh, Batum? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, there is a way the Cavs could do that surely. Uh, and they could give, they could do it in a way that, um, then the the Hornets uh, like are taking a big salary guy for just one year, whereas Batum is signed, including his player option, all the way through twenty twenty one. So yeah, yeah, of course, of course, you could do that. Chris wants to know what does a Cavs team look like if LeBron leaves? Do we have the people to acquire assets to build this team back within three to five years? Well, which people? I mean, are you talking about like the the a bit like the skills of the front office? Are you talking about the assets? What's what do you what do we think he means? I think he means the assets, um, but I like the skills of the front office equation. So, I think we can talk about both. I think both are in play. Um, well, you know, fr- from an assets perspective, uh, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, they have a protected number one pick last year or next year, so. If they really stink this year, then they'll get to make another number one pick. Um, the the Hill and, and Smith contracts are favorable for the following season. You can get rid of both of them at almost no cost. Uh, same with Corver. And then uh, Kevin Love will have an option for, you know, what we said it was, $25.5 million that he may not pick up. So in, in the event that LeBron leaves, the Cavs could really be in a spot to have like all kinds of cap room um, mm-hmm. and maybe even a draft pick uh, in, in 2019 to really get to work on, on setting this thing. Right. But I don't know how much cap space helps this team. If LeBron isn't here, um, the Cleveland, as much as we love it, you and I love it. Uh, it just, I mean, we know it's, it hasn't been the place where, where NBA free agents flock to. Right. Um, and so I, I think without that marquee player here anyway, I, you know, I think you would run into some of that, um, some of that, but it, you know, if the front office, the other part of the equation, if they do their homework and they uh, home in on a couple of guys that are worthy of those slots that might want to come here, like there, there is a chance to, to rebuild this better than they did the first time. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all we have in terms of the questions. I think we've gone through them all. Wrap it up. Okay, so we're going to try and bring you another podcast. What, free agency? Around free agency time? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. We'll see what it is. (laughs) Is there more to talk about still than what we've already talked about at this point? No, I mean, you you and I, we have a couple ideas. We'll see what we get to. That's all I mean. Oh, by the way, did you see Bronny's missed dunk? That was yeah. that was like one of the greatest missed dunks I've ever seen. I thought he was going to throw that down. Can we also mention, by the way, that one of the dudes with LeBron and, and Savannah and Gloria and all, that one of the dudes was wearing a Cavs shirt? I did see that, yes. We have to mention that because I feel like everybody, everybody looks for clues every single way of a tweet, a Facebook yeah. post or something like that. I do think we have to point out the fact that he was wearing a Cavs shirt. Of all the things in this man's closet, and I don't even know who it is, <laughs> but of all the stuff in his closet. And if he, like, he obviously came to this game with LeBron. Um, 
And so if LeBron, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, I mean, if LeBron had, had any objection, um, you know, within four nanoseconds, they could have like <laughs> some kind of Nike King James attire that does right. not have like, calves on it. So I just thought that was uh, highly interesting that he's hanging out with somebody wearing calves gear. Oh, somebody else asked earlier today. It was in a different uh, tweet sent to me. Uh, do you think LeBron sticks around long enough to play with or against Bronny? No. No? No. Oh, my. Interesting. No. I don't think, I don't think so. Could happen. But I don't okay. Think so. Another layer to this question. Okay. This destination that he picks uh, this offseason, whether it's stay in Cleveland or go to Los Angeles, do you think that's his last stop in the NBA? Um, I don't think that either of us have has enough information yet on that. I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Yeah, I and mean, I think where he goes might matter. It could. All right, good stuff, bud. Okay, it's fine. All right, there it is. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, wanting gold talk podcast. To give us a like, subscribe on iTunes. You can find it on cleveland.com a variety yeah. of different platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Joe can tell you all about them. Amen.